but I really appreciate uh, that we've just been encouraged to eat ice cream on Sundays. It's a special day for that. Speaking of special days, uh, the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrated uh, last Sunday is an event in history. And um, it's not just something that we celebrate once a year. It's really something that we can celebrate uh, every day. And one way that I do that is that I like to watch the sunrise. And the sunrise for me is this daily reminder of the promise of, of something new beginning. Many times that reminder as the sun rises is with breathtaking beauty. The morning sky, which only moments before was black, colorless, suddenly begins to take on various shades of color and streaks of light. Twice this week, following our Easter Sunday, I was sitting in my favorite morning spot and light, I mean really bright light, flooded my living room. I mean, the light was so bright uh, that it seemed like somebody was shining a spotlight uh, through our window to illuminate every fine detail of our stone fireplace. Uh, and I was, I was just reminded that there's a new day and there's a truth that Jesus spoke. It's a timeless truth. He said, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. I want our Sunday mornings, as long as we are living in these days, to be this mixture of reality and, and hope. So uh, we're, again, within our vineyard world, we're, we're seeking both comfort in, in a dark day, light breaking into darkness, as well as hope for what is before us. We're, we're, we're seeking this uh, kind of this quest for this radical middle. But I, I don't want to in any way deny that these are dark and troubling days, even though light is broken in. As I was writing out my thoughts yesterday, Susan tapped on my office door and said, Hey, uh, we need to pray for Oliver, our grandson. He's running a fever. He has a headache. And obviously, in the time that we're living in, you know, we're concerned. And we're immediately sending out texts for others to pray for us. We're praying for Megan and her family. You know, we're crying out, Oh, Lord, have mercy. Keep our family and the, the, our friends, keep us all safe from this sickness. I mean, this week, you know, COVID-19 overcame heart disease and cancer as the leading cause of death in the U.S. Well, that, well that's, a, that's a really dark and dreary day since January 22nd. January 22nd of this year, 2.2 million people have been infected by this virus globally and 154,000 have died. And that's a dark day in the U.S. I mean, I'm sad to say the U.S. is leading the world. We have 718,000 people infected and about 34,000 deaths. That's, that's a dark day. And I don't, again, light's breaking into my living room. I'm not denying that there's light, but I, I've got to also say... COVID-19 is not the only dark cloud on the horizon. 22 million Americans have filed for unemployment benefits. Those 22 million workers represent 13.5% of the 
of the American workforce. Well, that's, that's a dark day. And, and there's some dark clouds of a, of a depression that are forming on the horizon. During the 1930s, the U.S. went through the Great Depression. Our, our grandparents, that would be Susan and my grandparents, were the breadwinners for their families in those days. And toward the beginning of the Depression, 1930-1931, the employment, unemployment rate was 14% of the workforce. So 13.5% today, 14% back then, we're getting close to, to something really being dark and dreary. Today, one in seven workers have lost their job. Back then, it was one in four. Well, this is a, this is a dark day. Uh, we're heading into a financially difficult time. But again, I, I'm trying to walk this line between the reality of the darkness, but there is light. Light shines in the darkness. Jesus remains alive. Jesus has risen from the dead. Resurrection is a promise of a new day. And we need to learn. What we need to learn is just we need to turn the lights on when it becomes dark. So I want us uh, to reflect on Jesus' words. The fact that Jesus is alive for me, and I hope for you, is a validation of the trustworthiness of his teaching. Everything he taught is true. His word, like him, is alive. It, it didn't die in some book that we, we tucked away. His word is a living word. And during dark and troubling times, I think we need to read and we need to believe these words that are recorded for us. They bring life to us. So join me, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 24. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other God. Adoration of one God feeds contempt for the other God. You can't worship God and money both. <laughs> A troubling and difficult economy will help us to discern which God we are worshiping. God um, wants us to worship Him alone, and He does not give us the option of syncretism. We can't uh, just join this worship of God and worship of money all at the same time. It doesn't work. When the economy is strong and money is abundant, it's fairly easy for us to adore wealth. But when that same economy is weak and money is hard to come by, our adoration quickly turns toward God. He becomes our provider for life's essentials. We tend to choose God when the purse strings grow tighter. So Jesus has something to say to us in these dark days that we're living in. Let me continue in Matthew 6, 25. When we decide for God, we decide we're going to worship God. God is our God. Money's not our God. Living a life of God worship, it follows that we don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in our closet are in fashion. There's far more to life than the food we put in our mouth, more than our outer appearance, than the clothes that hang on our body. Look at the birds. 
free and unfettered. Hmm. Not tied down to a job description. Careless in the care of God. And you can count yourself far more valuable to Him than birds. Has anyone, by fussing in front of a mirror, ever gotten taller by looking in the mirror? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best men and women in the country look shabby alongside the wildflowers. As we think about Jesus' words and we put that into play at the time that we're living in, without intentional preparation, that means we got to be thinking about this. We can't just ignore the storm clouds on the horizon. We've got to intentionally think about what may be coming. Uh, We've got to prepare. If we don't do that, it's really easy for us to pick up what can be called a spirit of poverty. The spirit of poverty sees lack when things are lean. It exudes this attitude. There is not enough to share with others. It's the spirit that begins to hoard, driven by the fear of lack. See, it's that spirit, it's that spirit of poverty. We can all laugh about all the toilet paper, but that's what wiped out the tissues in the the supermarket. Everybody started to think, there's not going to be enough toilet paper. And i got to make sure I get toilet paper in my house. And we stop thinking about each other. Well, what about my neighbor's house? Do they have tissue in their house? That's the spirit of poverty. It's a fussy spirit. It fusses about what's on the dinner table. It fusses about what clothes are in the closet. When the spirit of poverty takes over, we stop listening to the birds singing. We stop seeing the flowers in all of their splendor. And we stop adoring God and we begin to long for the God of money to save us. Let me be the first one to say money will not save us. Only God can save us. What can we learn from the birds of the field, the flowers as well? Life is more than a full belly in a fashionable wardrobe. As Ryan shared with us about the Sabbath, in many ways the Sabbath is a way for us to eat less. And pick a day and fast. You know, these are days that we're living in our PJs. Who cares? (laughs) We're not trying to be fashionable. Life at its fullest is free and unfettered. It's not restricted to some job description in order that we receive a paycheck. And you know, it's really sad. A lot of people that have a job description, they perform it, but they don't like it. They're not living free and unfettered, but they're constrained, restricted to perform this duty so they can get a paycheck. Life is learning to live carelessly in the care of God. That's an incredible statement. 
This is an opportunity for us to learn about our providing Father. He knows what we need. And He wants to provide it. Life is not about being the best dressed. It's about reflecting the color and the design of our Creator. So how do we do this? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to suggest at all that this is easy. It's a, it's a big contrast to the way that we typically live our life. So Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6.30 and following, If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to us? Take pride in us? Do his best for us? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting. So you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. What they're going to eat. What they're going to wear. What, they are, what they're in lack of. But you know both God and how He works. So, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So let me make these suggestions. These are some things that each of us can do. One, don't don't just go with this one reading of Matthew 6. I would encourage all of us that are listening today, read Matthew 6 each day this this week. Let, Let the words of Jesus really begin to saturate your thoughts your emotions, your soul. But the first, first suggestion is relax. Put the brakes on getting. What I would suggest is set aside five minutes a day. Find a quiet and a comfortable spot. Are you, can you picture that place in your mind? And try this prayer. Be still. Be still, O my soul, and know Jesus is king. Say that with me. Be still, O my soul, and know Jesus is king. Repeat that prayer as many times as it's needed until it interrupts your own thoughts churning inside. I know our minds are about to bust. I know we're trying to, how how are we going to get out of this? That's the getting. How are we going to get out of this? And it's really only God that's going to get us out of this. And some time. And there'll be some human ingenuity. But we got to learn to relax. Five minutes, put on the brakes. Be still. Be still. Oh, my soul. And know that Jesus is king. 
Second suggestion, all this coming from Jesus, respond to God's giving. How is God giving to us each and every day? The first thing Susan does each morning is she either opens the door or she throws the windows up so that we can hear the birds. The singing of the birds is a gift from God. The birds are not weighted down by our troubles. The birds are still singing in adoration and praise of God. We live in a wonderful place where we can walk outside and see flowers blooming. Flowers that we don't even plant. Those are gifts. What other gifts? Look for how God is already giving to our lives. Third, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Pour yourself a cuppa. I've learned that from my family that lives in England. Now, have you ever noticed if you, if you pick an herbal tea, do you know how long you have to steep that herbal tea before you actually get the taste of that herb? It's like 15 minutes. So if, you're in a, if, you're in, you know, if you want a quick cup of cuppa, don't pick herbal tea. But in this case, I want you to pick an herbal tea. And as you steep that tea, just begin to think, how is God real to me? in these days how is God initiating in my life these days how is God providing for us in these days then finally give your attention give your entire attention to what God is doing right now how is God our father turning our difficult situation into something beneficial for our family. See, I think Ryan hit upon one of those. He's teaching us about Sabbath. Give your attention. What is God doing? To turn our difficult situation into something beneficial for our families. Holy Spirit, We need your help. We need your help each and every day. So as we look at these words of Jesus and as we ponder, how do we, how do we activate these truths in our life? Help us each day to relax. Help us each day to respond to God's giving. Help us to remember to steep that cup of tea and to live our life in God reality, God initiative, and God provision. Help us, Holy Spirit, to give our entire attention to what God is up to right now. Holy Spirit, come and help us. As I said when I began... We are living with two conflicting realities, light and darkness, life and death. We need light shining into our darkness. We need Jesus. He's the light of the world. We need him to illuminate our hearts and our homes. And we need reminders of a bright new day coming 
And we need life, everlasting life, the everlasting life of Jesus, the resurrection life of Jesus. We are experiencing death. People are dying. Our economy is dying. There's dreams that are dying. Yet, with Jesus, resurrection follows death. So my prayer for us this week is may the light and the life of Jesus pour abundantly and without interruption into our lives. Amen.